Hello, everyone. Uh, if you wouldn't mind, need a quick favor again, uh, go to the podcast page uh, or whatever app you use uh, to download our fine podcast and leave us a rating and a quick review, uh, particularly if you're using iTunes. Uh, just click the, the five stars or you know four stars or three stars or however many stars you feel like this thing is worth. Uh, uh, keep in mind it's free. Uh, give us a quick review. Uh, type a few words out. Be funny. Uh, be hysterical. Uh, you know, or just be bland. It doesn't really matter. Just leave us, let us know how you feel about it and uh, give us a nice review there and, and it would really help us out a whole lot. He's petulant like a child. Mm-hmm. So you got this guy who's supposed to be the nation is in crisis. Uh-huh. You know, he's supposed to be giving us guidance, direction, Mm -hmm. comfort, and encouragement. Mm -hmm. And instead, he deviates to say, what about that Fox News? How are the ratings? What the f***? Okay. And if that wasn't bad enough, then he comes back and he makes it. The only thing he could do that was worse, which he did, was to make it about him. Kids, it is time for another episode of your favorite podcast, and this week I'm going to remember the name of it. It is Alabama Politics This Week with but, Josh Moon and... Hey, David Person, yeah, you, you got, got it. You got right. it. We got everything right. We got our name yeah. right. We got the name of the podcast right. It uh, well, only took me a month to get the name of the podcast uh, you know, right. Practice so, makes perfect. That's right. Uh, David and I are currently practicing social distancing. Uh, uh, <laughs> we're uh, both in bubbles. Uh, there so, it is. Uh, the coronavirus craze has taken over, uh, and you know, and rightfully so. I'm not making light of it by uh, by saying that. I think that we're you know we're in a whole new world here. Uh, well, it's surreal. I mean, I I I don't think you're making light of it either. I think we're just all trying to f- sort of figure this thing out. Yeah, this is like, the yeah. weirdest place I've ever been in my life yeah, as an adult, especially. If you've uh, read uh, The Stand or The Road. Oh, uh, you know, okay. Mm. I haven't read those, uh, but... Uh, I wouldn't recommend it right those, now. Those are Stephen King? <laughs> are those well, Stephen, one, King's? One, one Stephen King? Yeah, I think The Stand is Stephen King, yeah. right? Yeah, uh, yeah, The Stand is. And, and mm. uh, it's uh, it's not that, okay? You know, the 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 Stand, you know, the, the virus in there would, would kill you in a few days, and that's, mm-hmm. you know, everybody, you know, and that's just, that's not what's taking place. But there is right a lot of a lot of panic over kind of uh, you know a somewhat unknown uh, yeah. virus uh, yeah. here and and what it's going to do particularly if you or your you know your parents your loved ones are elderly uh, or have you know some some immune deficiencies uh, you know th- this is a it's a bad situation uh, yeah. or it could be a bad situation if you don't take uh, the necessary precautions and you don't get uh, help pretty immediately and and, you know, in this state, getting help pretty immediately, it could be problematic for a lot of people. And it was already problematic. Yeah. 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 And, yeah. and you know, you add a pandemic to the to the mm-hmm. mix. And, uh, you know, and we're, we're now, if you look at the map where there are confirmed cases of uh, coronavirus uh, throughout the country, you will notice there is a big swath. And they paint the, the, the map red. Uh, with all the, yeah. all the viruses for all, each state, it gets painted red when they have a confirmed case. Alabama stands like 
uh, is, I don't know if it's a wall uh, or we're just not testing people. Well, there it is. Um, there yeah, it is. Um, we're not testing people. I, I think that is, you know, and, and we'll we'll have uh, uh, Dr. Taylor uh, from the state health department on later, and, and she's on the front lines of this. Her department is the one handling the response for yeah. uh, for the state. And, 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 and God bless her, this. man. I mean, she's, she's doing the best she can, yeah. I think, all things considered. But, uh, yeah. but this is why. This is why it just pisses me off when people start talking about, you know, the federal government this, the federal government <laughs> that, sick of the federal government. Okay, you sick of the federal government now? Yeah, exactly. You sick of the, You got a problem with the feds yeah. now? Yeah, please help us. As a, as, a, as the <laughs> crowd mean, that has gone out for the last few days, it's insanity, and, man. Uh, and, and we're going to need a lot of help. Uh, we're going to yeah. need a lot of help from the feds to to <sighs> to give us the the funding we need to do this. And you know, and it's just you, you don't. You don't want to criticize somebody like Taylor because she's right. not making you know the policy. She's not right. responsible for funding. She's, she's not. Really she's the a problem solver. She's yeah, she's the one that's out there helping people. Yeah, and, implement policy. Um, yeah. You know, but what we've got are morons running things, and you know, and the. You know, and, and that's not fair. What, what is fair is... No, that is, is fair. It is fair because Medicaid expansion should have happened in this state. We'd have literally hundreds of millions of dollars at our disposal to deal with at exactly a time like this when we need it. Morons is probably a kind word. Yeah, well... Uh, and I was I was gonna I was just gonna backtrack morons a little bit and say because I don't think they were moronic in what they did I think that they were intentional in what they did and they knew oh, uh, they knew the risks well, they knew okay. the problems well, they knew they knew what okay. could be at stake uh, and they didn't care uh, you know they they felt it was more uh, political expedient to to do this uh, this way uh, to handle it. Uh, in in this manner, because it you know had Barack Obama's name on Obamacare, and so you know, and and Medicaid expansion was tied to that. And oh, there was no way we're doing that. You know, we don't well, have money. You, for you know, it. It, it, it may have been calculated, Josh. It may have been politically expedient. But to me, all of that, when you boil it down. Mm-hmm. Moronic. Yeah, yeah, maybe so. Yeah, uh, it certainly seems moronic now. Yeah, uh, you know, because as you know, as you'll hear in that interview, you know, she's gonna. She's going to tell you that we're going to try to re. We might have to reopen some of those hospitals, right? The ghost hospital treatment for right. this thing. And, and, I, and again, that's not on Dr. Taylor. No. We're not talking about her when we say moronic. We're talking about the policymakers, the legislators, and the governors. Yeah. And, and and I listen. The I past don't two trust governors for a second. I don't trust yeah. for a second that they're that, that we've been that they've been truthful. Not 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 the the state health people, mm-hmm. but. Uh, the rest of the messaging coming out of our state government, I, I don't, I don't mm. trust for a second they've been truthful. Well, I this. mean, they follow the Trump playbook, and what mm. is his playbook? To lie, yep. to obfuscate, to mm. deceive. I mean, that's what he does. Yeah. So I think in a time like this, with their backs against the wall, mm-hmm. it wouldn't shock, and I can't, you know, it wouldn't surprise me to learn that somebody hasn't been truthful. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you this. I started last night getting messages from people who work in the, in the healthcare industry around the state, uh, on the ground people who who I trust, who I know personally, yeah. uh, and, and telling me that at a couple of different locations at that point, they had people that they believed had the coronavirus, uh, that they had quarantined those people, that they had uh, the tests were there. They had finally convinced uh, the state to give them a test, uh, which was uh, quite 
a task in itself, uh, according to them. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that I didn't, I didn't report anything last night. I didn't say anything. I mentioned it to a few people, uh, you know, in, in our state government, they were going to check to see what was going on. Uh, and so this morning though, that continued and I got more and more, including a couple of doctors, uh, that I know that were telling me, listen, you know, this is, this is a hundred percent taking place, uh, here. And, you know, when you get the level of specificity on things that I was getting from mm-hmm. from people who were describing what was going on and, and, and the cases and the things that were happening, uh, there was no there's no way I doubt that. There, you know, yeah. First of all, they've got better things to do than to lie to me about right. it, you know. And right. and you know, also accounted for the fact that maybe they were just caught up in the hysteria of it, and you know, and so you know, gave it some time, talked to them about it, and, and you know, I. Right now, just from the people who have contacted me, there are, I, I know of, of fifteen people who are quarantined. So, so wow. now that's wow. Now that doesn't mean they have the virus, but that yeah. is quarantine people who yeah. have gone in and but, they. But have these are people the who test. appear to be symptomatic. Yes, and they have been tested. Yes. Okay. Yes, and so. Uh, you know, now they say still at this hour, which is going on four o'clock here on Thursday, uh, that there are still no confirmed cases in the state of Alabama. There have been several people tested. Uh, Dr. Taylor will say later that, you know, there have been over 100. Uh, yeah. And, you know. That the state has done. That doesn't even include private testing. Right. Yeah. yeah. And they don't know about those numbers. Yeah. And, yeah. and so that was the crutch last night when I spoke to people mm-hmm. was, well, those could be private labs and we don't know about private labs you know we got to confirm those cases and so which i think is a fair point but at the same time there seems to be a sort of a head in the sand uh motif here well there seemed to be a a real reluctance to test people and I don't know if they. You was think that's reluct- what it is—a reluctance? Oh, I absolutely think. think I, yeah, hmm. they were the people, the doctors that I spoke to were talking about how they were having to convince them to get them, give them the tests. Well, uh, why would? Well, why well, in the I think world? That may have a little something to do see. with the availability of the tests. Mm-hmm. And and so, you know, I I know that they started testing these people a week ago, and so as of now, we are. Just to, we're the only state in the southeast that does not have a confirmed case of coronavirus. The only state right. in the southeast. And I, I mean, and I don't think that's because uh, you know we got more churches on every block than any other. No, then I think if that, yeah, if, that, think that if, if the churches solved it, then we probably wouldn't have the uh, the highest rate of sexually transmitted diseases in the nation. <laughs> so uh, you know, I think that maybe I, I got to say there's a lot I could say on that. Right, I'm not going to say. I understand. Yeah. We're 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 essentially one of like three states that don't have a confirmed case, and I think the yeah, other ones are in the Dakotas, where not even a coronavirus wants to go to one of the Dakotas. <laughs> uh, and so, uh, you know, uh, but uh, I think, well, yeah, I guess, you know, it makes sense. Uh, the, the coronavirus refuses to go to the Dakotas and Alabama. <laughs> you know, maybe, maybe we should introduce it to the beaches. I, don't I was going to just say yeah. that. I was just going to say yeah. that. So take it to the beach. We've got great Orange beaches. Beach. Orange here. Beach is great. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's awesome. Uh, but uh, listen, I. Does does anybody really believe we don't have a case of coronavirus? No, no. chance that we don't have a case of that no. here. I mean, we're we're like fiftieth in health. You know, do you really yeah. think that we could prevent a disease? Get out of here. And 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 all joking and kidding aside, there is no chance that if that virus begins to show up in the black belt, that it's not going to, in my opinion, mm-hmm. going to really be prevalent yeah. down there. It's going to spread like wildfire. Yeah. Uh, and it's, uh, and, you know, that, look, the, the state has essentially admitted at this point that we have no plan for inmates 
Mm. Zero plan for inmates. We have zero plan uh, for the homeless population. Mm. Um, and, you know, what – and listen, here's the thing. Even if we have a plan, hell, we can't execute it because we don't have the facilities to do that, yeah. you know, for the most yeah. part. Yeah. Uh, and that this is the sort of thing that, that people talk about when you say, well, you know, listen, you got to put these things in, in, in place for the future. Uh, you got to have this planning in, in – in place and you know if you look at the federal government just look at what trump did to the infectious disease uh coalition that that obama had put together uh you know it killed it off because it had obama's Mm -hmm. name and personnel attached to it like he did with everything else and and so here we are and now you know this guy is on tv last night looking like he was creating a hostage video for god's sake and uh you know that rambling bunch of nonsense which included three false statements that they had to come back and correct in a prepared speech that he read from a teleprompter. You know, that's, and, and here we are in this state following that guy, you know, following yeah, that guy. Following him. Yeah. I mean, he's, he's, he, he dominates within in the voting and we'll probably do it again in November. Uh, unfortunately. Yeah. yeah I right. hope not, but I, I hope not, but. Yeah, we, we you know, know where we are, and yeah. it, it's just a uh, it's it's kind of depressing, you know. I mean, you know it, and there are there are big stories that that happened, you know, this week that we could talk about. Uh, you know the uh, the endorsement of by Trump of of, yeah. <laughs> of Jeff Sessions of, of not Jeff Sessions uh, basically. Was, yeah. you know, I'm sure he had to ask three times how to spell Tuberville's name, uh, <laughs> but. You know, that really, it's just uh, yeah. I, it, we're all overshadowed by coronavirus yeah. Um, yeah. And, or COVID-19. And um, yeah, and rightfully so. I mean, it's now canceled mm. the NCAA tournament. It's now, you NBA, know, NFL, yeah. you know, Major League Baseball schedule has been altered. I mean, yeah. we just, yeah. I mean, this is, uh, you know, March Madness. A lot of people are going to be. You know, I mean, that's pretty big down yeah, here. It's, I yeah, I love Mark Madison. Yeah. It's, a, it's, a, it's a shame, you know, to lose that. Um, I understand the planning and stuff that has to go into creating such an event or years, years in the making. And, uh, you know, but nothing is, you know, yeah, well, it's a shame. Nothing more important than human life. And so, that's, yeah, that's right. You got to do that. And, you know, I, what the hell we're going to watch on TV, but apparently everybody's going to be inside for, you know, for investing, <laughs> invest in Netflix. There it is. Buy there Netflix is. stock. There All right. Is. I tell you what, we're going to, we're going to slide out of here. We're going to come back and we'll get, uh, Dr. Uh, Dr. Taylor, uh, on and, and discuss the, the coronavirus, uh, in this state and, and what's kind of going on with our response and the planning for that. All right. We'll be back in just a moment. That was the band Witch Chord uh, playing us back in there. It's uh, more contributed uh, music. Uh, that one from uh, Shane Gillis, his band. Uh, the song was uh, Consequences of Miscalculation, which will play in very well for our next guest coming up in just a minute. And uh, uh, But uh, if you'd like to uh, to download any of uh, Witch Chord stuff there at bandcamp.com, uh, Witch Chord, W-I-T-C-H, Chord, C-H-O-R-D, uh, dot bandcamp.com. 
com. You can find all their stuff uh, there, and you know, go down, go download some stuff, and uh, and buy the albums, and uh, and help these folks out. It's really, really some good stuff, and especially if you're you know you're trying to use it for a background uh, play on, on a podcast. It's it's fantastic stuff. All of all of Shane's stuff that he sent has been really, really fantastic. I encourage y'all to check out his Bandcamp page and check out Witch Chord uh, as well. All righty, we are joined now by Dr. Bernstein Taylor, the uh, medical officer for disease control and uh, prevention, and uh, and for the, that that covers a lot of ground uh, with the state. Uh, but for for our purposes today, to, to speak about the uh, the coronavirus and the state's response to it and, and kind of what's going on, uh, she is over the uh, Department of Infectious Disease and Outbreak, uh, and that is the department pro- the department primarily responsible for handling that with the state. And uh, uh, Dr. Taylor, welcome in. Uh, we really appreciate you joining us. I know you got to be crazy busy at this point. Yes, it has been extremely busy, and thank you for having me. I guess, uh, first of all, uh, the first question on people's minds, I guess if they could ask you anything, I would imagine it's, uh, what does the average person, what, what is the threat level to the average person from this disease? What do they need to do to either keep from getting it or to report themselves once they believe they have it? The, the average threat to the average person is the same as with the flu. The flu is transmitted in our community, and this coronavirus can be transmitted the exact same way by personal contact uh, and by contact with someone who is infected. If you look at the precautions for preventing the uh, transmission of the flu, we're recommending the same precautions. Make sure you wash your hands thoroughly. Uh, cover your cough or sneeze. Don't put your hands in your face. Uh, if you're sick, stay home. If you have a fever, uh, think twice about visiting elderly people in nursing homes. Uh, and those are the same. You you have heard those recommendations over and over because they are truly tried and true, and they really do work and help to to um, interfere with trans transmission of the disease. If a I guess there there there's there's been a lot of uh, I don't want to call it false news, but maybe maybe confusion would be the best way to to go middle of the road here uh, and say there's been a lot of confusion about the severity of the of the disease and and so uh, you know you hear a lot of people say well it's no worse than the flu it, it's no worse than this or no worse than that uh, and then other people are, are you know screaming and, uh, and and trying to convince that everybody that they're going to die and so I'm assuming that the truth is somewhere in between and, and is different for each individual well that's exactly correct because it is very difficult for us to be very precise about coronavirus because first of all it's new. It was initially called the novel coronavirus because it was new. It had not been described in humans. So a lot of the behavior of this virus, we're really uncertain. We have experience in the past with SARS, which was severe acute respiratory syndrome, which was more deadly and more severe, and MERS, which is probably maybe around the same we do know that it transmits like the flu, but there are still a lot of features that we really just still don't know. And we do know that that people with um, with secondary disease or um, concomitant diseases like diabetes and cardiovascular disease will probably be at increased risk 
and people over 65 too. So Dr. Taylor, there are a lot of meetings that are shutting down. Businesses in this state uh, are now deciding that perhaps it's better for their employees to telecommute or if they come into the office or go into the office, that they don't really interact with each other unless it's by telephone. Lots of these sorts of protocols are being initiated. What's your what's your best uh, bit of advice for businesses that have to function but have concerns about not wanting to be exposed to the coronavirus? Well, we have been closely making recommendations based on CDC recommendations. And their first level of recommendations in terms of protecting ourselves is called social distancing, where we try to make sure we're three to six feet from people. Uh, If you're in a private office, you know, stay contained in your office. And those are just basic things that are started. The the end of that spectrum, on the other hand, is closing down schools and closing down business. That's the other end of the spectrum. So social distancing is like the initial um, response you can have in terms of trying to protect yourself in this environment. And those are the things that we do recommend at this point. So you know some groups are much more communal, and 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 much more cordial in how they interact with each other than others. So I was at uh, one of my favorite churches in Huntsville, the First Missionary Baptist Church, this past Sunday afternoon for a program. And uh, you know, I was surprised, Doctor Taylor, that when I got in there, people were shaking hands and hugging and doing all the customary stuff that people do at church. And at first, I thought, really, no. And then I just thought, oh well, it's already happening. You know, why fight it? But um, do you feel like there are going to be challenges? in terms of getting people acculturated to this social distance that you're talking about? Yeah, well, we certainly don't want to interrupt the practices of church services, but you are absolutely correct. At this time, some of the practices, social practices that we've experienced probably need to be rethought before you give uh, people a firm handshake or you offer a hug or um, you embrace people, that's probably something you really want to think twice about in in these times at this point. Yeah, for, for somebody like me, that's really not an issue. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, uh, I tend to keep my distance. Uh, but uh, I, I want to, I guess, kind of, uh, if we could, uh, look at the state uh, here uh, and, and, and talk about where where we are in terms of testing how many, uh, if you have those numbers, how many people uh, have we tested in this state? Uh, are there any uh, confirmed cases of coronavirus at this time, which is, uh, uh, you know, late afternoon on Thursday? Uh, where are we with uh, statistics in this state? Well, at this time, we have not identified any patients with um, COVID-19, which is the actual the name of the disease. And we are testing and we have been up and running testing since actually uh, March 5th, exactly March 5th. And we received our kits from CDC. Uh, Prior to that, we had to do a quality assessment and training. And so we are qualified to do their um, FDA approved test. And, you know, a lot of people are concerned about the number of tests. You know, it's it. 
it has been evolving so quickly. If I tell you a number now, it's going to be different in the morning. We have tested over 100 people, um, and we still have had no positive tests to this date. We also realize that there are commercial labs that will start testing. LabCorp and Quest uh, have started to test. I don't know their turnaround time, and I really I don't know a cost or any of the details, but that will help our, us testing in the state because then we'll have some other people testing. I understand that UAB was supposed to be up and running, but I have not heard any uh, definitive information about when they will actually start. Okay. What... In in this state, we've heard a lot over the over recent years, I guess, of of the lack of rural health care, uh, you know, availability and services, um, and, and some other issues uh, related to you know Medicaid, uh, or the non expansion of Medicaid, which uh, has left a lot of people without health insurance, and 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 left a lot of people who are unaccustomed to going to doctors and and to clinics and uh, that sort of thing. Where it do you feel like that sort that that puts us in a in a higher risk for the spread of this disease? Well, that's an excellent question, and and that very well may be the case because people who don't usually access the medical system may not access the system to even be evaluated to see if they have the the, the disease. But we are encouraging people when they are ill and when they have particularly fever and cough. If you go to the emergency rooms, if you get your testing through the state lab, that service with the courier, the supplies, that is free of charge. Now, that doesn't negate the ER cost itself, but the actual testing would be free of charge. And there may be a point where we can expand our testing and in other ways, but at this point, we have not. You know, I want to follow up on uh, Josh's question, Dr. Taylor, especially the part about rural hospitals, because we know that uh, rural hospitals have been closing in this state over the past few years because of the lack of expansion uh, of Medicaid and, and for other reasons as well. And so we've got a wide swath of the state, you know, the Black Belt and other rural areas that are especially vulnerable. What's the plan in, in light of this virus, what's the plan to help the people in those areas? Well, we already have in place uh, an SIDN network, which is our serious infectious disease network. This was created when we had um, uh, issues with Ebola and Zika. And the point is that we have frontline hospitals, and these rural hospitals can actually perform uh, the basic initial assessment. We don't expect a small uh, rural hospital to be able to handle a, a full-blown coronavirus patient on a ventilator, but that initial evaluation can take place there. And then we have designated hospitals in the South, Mobile, we have in Birmingham, we have in Huntsville. Those are our SIDN um, where they're located. And we would make transfer to those facilities should it be necessary. That also includes our emergency preparedness system, which would actually help to facilitate the transfer of these patients. And really don't underestimate our rural hospitals because we have received calls. They are assessing patients and they are requesting for testing. So they are, you know, doing their, their job and their part of this in this whole scheme. 
Well, I'll do all due respect, Dr. Taylor. I'm I'm not uh, underestimating the rural hospitals. I'm saying that there's a dearth <laughs> of exist. <laughs> yeah, there's a dearth of rural yeah. hospitals. They've yeah. been closing down. Yeah. So, you know, I, I'm I'm certainly hoping and praying that those that still exist can do exactly what you said. But I think the real issue is, is that there are wide swaths of our state where there isn't hospital coverage. And I'm asking, what about in those areas? Well, you know, we are also receiving calls and evaluations by urgent care centers, just the same places that people are getting their service, um, private doctors, and there are people presenting uh, to several different levels of care. So for those people who don't have a hospital, if there's a neighboring urgent care center or a neighboring clinic, they are receiving a set assessment as well. It- you know, I've heard the projections, uh, you know, and I believe uh, health officials with the federal government told members of Congress uh, yesterday that they expect somewhere between 75 and 100 million people to uh, contract this uh, over the course of the next few weeks or months. And uh, it, it, it let's assume that that holds and, and that Alabama doesn't have a wall around it uh, that uh, and, and the disease gets here eventually. Uh, or, or do you feel comfortable that we are equipped to handle that, that sort of number and that sort of uh, rise in cases? We, we have made preparations and plans. We have made inventory of the, the hospitals in the state of Alabama, what our ventilation capacity is. Uh, there are uh, rooms that are negative pressure rooms where patients can be isolated. We have inventories of that number of rooms. So we have done some planning and preparation uh, to try to prepare for um, extreme circumstances should they arrive. And we do know we have no cases in Alabama. It's just a matter of time. We expect with normal community transmission, we will identify cases in Montgomery, excuse me, in Alabama. Right, you know, and, and and I didn't mean to uh, to make it sound like I was you know w- w- was questioning that uh, at all. Yeah, I, I, you know, I it it just concerns uh, you know the the way that the rural health care and some other health care issues have have been going in the state, and I think we all would agree that they're you know despite the best efforts of good people. Uh, you know, that are trying their best. Uh, you know, I don't think they've gotten a lot of support from from our from our legislature at times and from our leadership, but and has left us kind of lagging. And and that's my concern. And I just, you know, that that's kind of what I was wondering if if we have if we have the necessary infrastructure and the and the necessary uh, pieces in place to handle such a you know, I guess an influx of patients. You know, I I don't think it's going to be like you know uh, uh, McCarthy's Road uh, uh, or the road, you know. But I, I do think that we're we're in in kind of a situation here where there's going to be an influx of patients uh, into hospitals, and I worry that we're not going to have the the beds to support them all. Yeah. Again, you know, we have looked carefully at that plan, and we have looked at uh, perhaps uh, other options hospitals that recently closed, reopening. So we have a lot of things on the agenda and a lot of things in the planning. Um, And we're just trying to use the resources that we have to try to make arrangements. There are also arrangements to possibly uh, request ventilators from other states. So there are lots of plans in action. And quite frankly, we're all hoping we don't have to use them. Sure. Sure. Yeah, I know know that's the case. 
one one quick question before we let you go, Doctor Taylor. Do you do you have a working number in mind in terms of what you you you're projecting our state is going to have to deal with in terms of infections? Oh, that's a tough question. Again, we we have no idea because again we we don't have any patients at this point. And we are testing, you know, as the providers in the community, the hospitals call and they meet the criteria we are testing. So I have no idea what magnitude of, of patients or, or citizens would be affected in the state of Alabama. All right. Well, listen, uh, Dr. Taylor, we, we do appreciate it. We know you're, you're out there uh, on, on the kind of front lines of this and, and, and doing everything you can. And we appreciate you taking a few minutes today to kind of come on and, and help uh, spread some factual information to some folks or, and, and, and let people know what's, what's going on. And, and we, we wish you luck, uh, you know, good, good luck with, with the whole thing. And hopefully this uh, will, uh, you know, we'll continue to have a few cases uh, and, and hold it down. Well, might I add, I, we do recommend that um, people access uh, the CDC website, also Alabama Department of Public Health, because there are, are a lot of myths and misconceptions. There's information, there are summary pages that are easy to read and interpret. There's updates uh, on our website. We have links. And we also have an 800 number. If people have additional questions, we try to answer. Now, we have a lot of calls, so sometimes we can't answer right away. But that number is 1-800-338-8374. And I do encourage people to to try to get their information from reliable sources. Uh, and there are many reliable. The CDC site is um, is updated daily, and that's a great resource. And our website website for Alabama Department of Public Health as well. All right, we, and we will add that phone number uh, and, and at least uh, the Alabama Department of Public Health website uh, uh, link to uh, to the podcast link when we put it up, and and make sure that folks see it and they're able to go to that. All right. Dr. Taylor, we do appreciate your time this afternoon. Uh, really, really, uh, you know, good luck uh, with what's going on here. And, uh, and, and hopefully folks will, will follow the protocols and, and we can keep this thing to a minimum. Okay. Thank you, Dr. Taylor. Take right, care, thank doctor. You. you know, yeah. I just have to say, um, I, I think, and again, you're, you're right. Dr. Taylor's on the front line mm-hmm. and, um, and, and hey, so you, you don't want to you don't want to throw throw bombs yeah. or rocks at yeah. her. You got to respect that. Got to respect that. But having said that, <laughs> having said that, <laughs> however, you and I both know uh, that we have been getting reports. You much more than I, mm-hmm. but I've gotten at least one or more myself about you know from inside sources mm-hmm. about cases here in North Alabama and and you actually outside of North Alabama. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you and I also know that the the black belt in particular is extremely vulnerable as it relates to the the lack of rural hospitals. And let's also add the fact that the population in places like Uniontown mm-hmm. and eight mile down in Mobile, which is not in the black belt, but still right. has been subject to a lot uh, over the past 10 or so years. Those those populations are already they, they, we're talking about whole towns where people have compromised health. Yeah. 
You know, so, you know, my question is, how prepared are they really? How prepared is the state really to deal with uh, a coronavirus crisis in Uniontown or a coronavirus crisis in Eight Mile? I just don't think so. I don't buy it. Uh, You know, and, you know, like I said, and and no matter what now, it kind of seems like, I guess, we're piling on Dr. Taylor. And that's not the case. She's doing what she can. Oh, yeah. People are doing what they can. But we've we've been left in this this lurch sort of thing. You know, we've been left in this situation where now they're talking about opening hospitals that they've closed and communities, you know, because of this. And this is exactly what people have been saying for years, you know, about, listen, there's going to come a time when you need these hospitals to be here and these people aren't going to have that that service. And and that's what I'm talking about. That's what I'm talking about. And the lack of planning is, again, catching up to us. Mm -hmm. And somebody needs to say it, and maybe she's not in a position to say it, and I respect that. But somebody's got to say, you know what? Bentley, mm-hmm. he messed up. <laughs> yeah. Ivy, she's messed up. Yeah, it's. I mean, they well, messed up. The the callous uh, sort of governance that they have pursued uh, there, where it was more uh, politically expedient for them to do this thing and deny that coverage uh, based on the fact that it had the black president's name on it. Uh, yep. and, and that played yep. better to their voters uh, than to do this and to ever admit that there was a good idea from the Democrats back when Barack Obama was president. That's the sort of thing. I mean, if Trump proposed this, they would have done it in a second. And they oh, would have, have been they done. would have yeah, sold the state house to do yeah, it. it. They would, oh, absolutely yeah. it would have been done yeah. if he had done that. And but so instead of doing that, here here's where we are. Here's where you're having to open up ghost hospitals yeah. uh to you know to try to help you out in, in and, case it's and how's that gonna work? I mean, you <laughs> know, I'm I, I mean God bless her for for you know the thought, but I'm saying really you truly, know, how's that gonna work? You know what, man? That right there should be our state motto. How's that going to work? <laughs> How the hell is that going to work? You don't do that. All right, let's, let's let's get out of here. We'll be we'll be back in a moment here with. Uh, I, you know what? Uh, at this point, I don't even know what. All right, but <laughs> we're, we're going to be back and we'll practice some social distancing. I need to get a drink of water. <laughs> yeah, after that, I mean, the straight alcohol, Welcome back in. We are joined now by the Associate Executive Director of the Alabama Education Association, uh, Mr. Theon Stokes. I've, I've known uh, Mr. Stokes for, for a while now and, and seen some of the work he's done. And, and first of all, Mr. Stokes, welcome into the podcast. You, you're here with uh, Josh Moon and David Person. All right. Good, good to be with you, gentlemen. Good to be. Good to have you on. I guess just kind of first of all, uh, you know, what what would you – how do you feel like now – uh, do you feel like the feelings of AEA or towards AEA have started to shift and come back to a more positive attitude? You know, because I think um, that uh, AEA gets – a, a bad rap a lot of times, uh, you know, in this Republican-dominated state. 
Yes, yes. I think we had a period of time in which um, uh, I, I would say AEA was really, um, there, whole, there was a lot of resentment toward it. And also there was a lot of turmoil uh, that we would say that we had uh, with dealing with the legislature. Uh, and, but as, the, as things changed, so did we. Uh, we learned that we had to adjust as well as uh, the legislature had to adjust to us. So what we have been doing is we have cultivated relationships with uh, with uh, Republicans as well as Democrats and uh, well as Tea Party members. So we are not focused on any party. We're focusing on those that support uh, public education. So we now have a our position is. And that's why I think uh, the overall change, uh, one while people just labeled, labeled us as a liberal, democratic, uh, supporting organization, uh, that, that's, that wasn't true then and it's not true now. Uh, we have made a, uh, a conscious effort to cultivate relationship with all parties, uh, and, uh, political parties, and not just, uh, just, not just one. But we support we support. Those folks that support us, and we know we have had Democrats uh, over the years that support us, and we will we, we support them, and we really appreciate their support. So we are not turning our back on our friends. Right, right. No, that's a. I understand. I understand that completely. And but I, you know, I think one and, and the, you know, kind of further the you know the the misnomers that are out there is is. Uh, the talk of, of charter schools, um, you know, uh, and I think there's a there's a misconception about AEA and and, and where y'all stand on charter schools, and uh, and it's not it's not that you're, you're against charter schools, you're against bad charter schools, and and I think that that showed itself in in what took place at, at with Lead Academy in Montgomery, and uh, you know that that was uh, was a school there that that wasn't it wasn't a quality school or it didn't uh, and it, it's not like it's gone anywhere. It, it's not a quality school. And, and y'all kind of stepped in to help. Well, I, that's been our position all along. We recognize the law of Alabama that allows charter schools. We recognize that and we respect that. However, I have been saying from day one since the law was passed, we are not against all charter schools. We're against bad charter schools. And we will tell you, we talk and converse with schools, uh, with, with uh, organizations when they, when they are considering starting a charter school and they have, when they ask us our position on some things or what we consider to be um, uh, a necessary requirement to have an effective school, uh, we'll tell them. And we, we don't mind opening and discussing uh, matters with, um, with, with proposed Organization that are, that are seeking charter schools, but what we will do and what we take pride in is that if there is a situation that we think is necessary for us to intervene, then then we will. Um, and that's 
we feel like that's in the best interest of the children. That's not just uh, in the best interest of AEA because these charter schools are funded by public money. And we think that the, uh, a child that goes to any school in Alabama should receive a quality education. So, Mr. Stokes, I, I grew up in Chicago back in the 1970s primarily. And I remember well uh, the charter school that was launched by the famous black educator Marva Collins. And I grew up on the south side of Chicago. I'm African-American, grew up in the African-American community. Uh, Marva Collins was revered in Chicago for what she was doing there with that charter school. So when I came down here, you know, some 30 plus years ago and began to realize that charter schools either didn't exist or or were looked at kind of sideways. It was a little bit of a puzzle to me. Talk a little bit about what your concerns are when you talk about a bad charter school. Well, let, let, let me go to what we we feel um, that should be some of the requirements for a an effective charter school. First, we believe that the community should want it. First, if you want to put a charter school in a community that does not want it, then we feel like that's that's not going to work. You should have uh, community support for any charter school that you want to bring in. And we, for example, we ran in and we ran into that 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 situation down in Washington County uh, with Woodland Prep. The community didn't want it, never wanted it, still doesn't want it, but uh, people are forcing, trying to force it on uh, on the people down there, and they're saying we, our public schools are doing well, we don't want it. So you're going you're gonna to need a to, for a school to be, to be successful, first you have to want it. And this, what we also was saying that we don't want the for-profit charter schools. And what I mean, we don't want uh, these schools to open and be just siphoning off public money uh, for their for their uh, for the administration benefit, but not for the kids. As you know, these schools, the Alabama law said. These are public charter schools, and they are using public funds to fund these schools. So what our position has always been, we don't want for-profit charter schools because it's not the law. And what we're saying, if you're going to bring a school, have an effective administration and make sure the school uh, operate correctly. And we want them to follow the law because there's some flexibility for charter schools in the law. It does not alleviate them from following um, uh, state laws and federal laws. So what we're saying is if you're going to open a school, be aware that you still have to follow the law. And we want everyone to understand that these are public schools and they are not a private uh, schools that being operate on public funds. So we want to make make sure that they um, um, that they follow the law, and that's what, and, the, and I, I was going to say that that's really what I discovered after this debate really began to rise. I'd say ten fifteen years ago, uh, is that 
charter schools often seem to be positioning themselves as the latest iteration of white flight. You know, so you've either got white flight or you've got some kind of religious sort of impetus uh, for the opening of these schools where, uh, you know, again, you know, there's this siphoning off of public money for some private agenda. And and so from that standpoint, I, I've seen it also as a problem. And it sounds like that's what you're saying, too. Yes. Uh, what I'm saying. You have a you have a you have a valid point. As we noticed, uh, the trend now is to place these charter schools in in predominantly African American communities, except for the one down in Washington uh, Washington County. And what what they they are bringing them to their communities. And one of the things that that African Americans have been a victim of, they're selling them what we call false hope. So they bring these schools and say, hey, look, this is going to be your savior. And what we're saying is uh, that that that's not really the case in many instances. When we looked at, look at charter schools around the nation, there are some doing well, but there are many, many more that are not doing well. And that, and that's the concern that we have, and we also notice that there's not a great push to to populate those uh, schools in predominantly white school districts. Uh, that just is, that's that's not the case. That the aim to seem to be in the metropolitan areas where it's, it's, it's uh, predominantly African American students. Yeah, it, it always has seemed uh, to me uh, sort of a silly idea that that we you have school uh, you, that you have a set of schools that are, are performing most of the time. This is the excuse is uh, this set of schools is performing poorly. And so we're going to come in and we're going to put this other school in here that does the exact same job as these other schools and, and, and going to do it essentially the exact same way using the same school districts and the same funding models. But we're going to it's going to be better because it's run by different people, uh, even though it's going to cost twice as much as it would to run a regular public school. And instead of properly funding uh, the schools that are there and in existence uh, and giving them the resources that you know they need, they try this other step uh, here to try to get around that in some way and and to funnel money to their friends. And, uh, you know, I thought that it was, uh, I'll tell you this, I I thought that the way y'all handled what took place with Lead Academy and and you're going in and representing uh, the principal there. I thought that that was a pretty strong statement by AEA of, you know, this is not something that, that we're going to allow. These are public schools, and we're going to treat them the same way at AEA as we treat all public schools. Well, I think uh, a lot of people believe that charter schools, uh, you, you, don't, you don't have to follow the law. And I think LEAD Academy, uh, that was their position, that literally they was a public-private school and they did not have to follow the law. And in that situation, we had to remind them that they are a public school and they must follow the law. And that's why we, we brought that, that lawsuit on behalf of, uh, of the principal, who was a member of, of AEA, and we 
It was uh, to say that we will defend our members in public, in any public school, being in charter schools or in uh, a regular school. We have members in uh, other charter schools, and we have been working hard to uh, work with those charter schools and represent our members who provide the best, are doing the best job they can for the students in those schools. Yeah, I mentioned funding just a second ago as well, and that was another issue, uh, you know, in a case that y'all got in up in Morgan County, uh, with uh, where the county commission, for some reason or another, just decided that they, it looked to me like, uh, anyway, in, in my opinion, uh, that they were, uh, they just decided that they were going to, uh, they didn't like a law, and so they weren't going to follow the law, uh, and they were withholding online sales tax funds, and uh, it seems as though that thing is is nearing itself. I know that a judge ruled uh, in favor of the of the school system, which sued to get that money. Uh, do you feel like that, that that that's the end of it, or do you think that they will appeal? that uh, they have they have appealed it they, oh, they have, have appealed, appealed it, it. Oh. they are they, they they appealed it this way uh we anticipated that uh I, I, it was it was openly discussed in court that whatever side lost the uh they were going to be appealing it <laughs> and um mm. So it wasn't. It wasn't anything that wasn't expected. Right. Uh, but what we don't understand, or what we did clearly did not understand, was them saying that they did not have to follow the law. Now you're a governmental entity uh, recognizing a state law that was legitimately passed by the state legislature, but you're saying that no, we don't have to follow the law uh, because they're. they're that legal claim was, was in conflict with the Alabama Constitution, which just simply was not the case. Um, and I, I appreciate the judge for for recognizing in that uh, that that was not the case. Now, uh, and we know that online sales tax is 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 going to be the thing of the future. Right now, the brick and mortar uh, stores are slowly closing. Um, now people are buying things online. Well, uh, the sales tax is the, is the basis for uh, uh, educational funding. So if we don't get the sales tax, if education uh, does not get the sales tax, then the children in the state of Alabama will suffer. So with the online sales being the way it is, we know that this lawsuit regarding the SSUT tax uh, was a groundbreaking lawsuit, uh, and that's, it's an important lawsuit. It, it, it affects will be uh, made more uh, prevalent in about a 10-year term because we see now that the online sale ta- uh, tax uh, uh that money continued to grow. It, it continued to increase. So we know what we did in the lawsuit was to basically saying we have to protect our tax base for education. So that's why we were involved, and that's why we filed a lawsuit. So Amendment 1 obviously went down in flames. Uh, many of us uh, were happy to see that. Um, And in part because of the things I referenced before, that there's been this not so covert effort to try to undermine public schools at the expense of these private schools or these quasi 
uh, public schools like charter schools. So, so let me ask you this: What do you expect now from people on that side of the issue? Uh, do you expect them, which includes the governor, obviously, and other people, mostly Republicans, I, I would imagine, and conservatives, so-called conservatives? What What do you expect from them now? What do you think their next tactic is going to be? Well, there's no, there's no dispute that uh, that there was. One one plan, if the if Amendment One passed, then there was another plan, an alternative plan, if Amendment uh, One failed, and and it failed. What we expect now is that uh, the legislature that there are going to be some bills that are going to come uh, be. Uh, Puts forth in the legislature, they're going to be trying to do indirectly what they could not do uh, legitimately through the Constitution Amendment 1. So we know that that's something that's forthcoming, and we are very much aware of it, and we will just have to deal with it when it comes. But it's it, it would seem ironic after the after the citizens of Alabama have spoken and spoken loudly that they did not uh, support uh, uh, a, a, an appointed school board. And now if someone trying to come back and do indirectly what they couldn't do directly, that the citizens of Alabama is not so naive to, to know that that's, not, that's just simply not right. Well, that's uh, that, that pretty pretty fitting with the Alabama legislature in its current shape, anyway. Uh, to uh, you know, just ignore the will of seventy five percent of the state, which was uh, that's how many people voted against that thing. But, Who cares uh, what the people think? Yeah, right. That's, well, listen, I, uh, Mr. Stokes, I know that we, we we've kept you for a little while here, and and uh, we appreciate you coming on. And really, you know, from from somebody who, who's grown up with uh, with teachers in their family and in, in their house, uh, you know, I I appreciate what the AEA has done. And, and anybody who's seen it up close, I think, feels the exact same way. And so uh, th- thank you for, for what y'all have done there and for coming on and, and spending a few minutes with us today. All right. Can I say one other thing before we leave? Absolutely. I want to say I want to say that one of the things that AEA was, and we've been criticized over the years, that only thing we do is represent bad teachers. I mean, they, they've been telling us that that uh, that's our only job, and that's simply not, not true. If you look at the recent lawsuits that we have passed, I mean, that we have filed and been um, working on, uh, those involved more than just a single individual uh, teacher uh, or employee that would be in discipline. Uh, for example, the PIP lawsuit uh, that we filed was uh, a lawsuit that was inclusive of every person that was involved in that insurance uh, program. And whether they were a member AEA or not a member AEA, uh, when the judge ruled, they they received a refund. Uh, and then we have uh, the uh, this SSUT tax, the Morgan County case, that affects the uh, the all the the uh, children in Morgan County. When we are trying to make sure that they have uh, the tax revenue that was. Um, uh, uh, 
that the legislature intended for them to have and passed and passed the law. And uh, in Washington County, lawsuit and uh, lead academy lawsuit, and of course we got a lawsuit up in Bessemer right now uh, re- regarding the open bid uh, law. Uh, these these are lawsuits that we feel are important important for the for the general public, not just necessarily uh, for um, uh, one individual or, like they said, an AEA, AEA member. Uh, these lawsuits, uh, we feel, supports the citizens of Alabama. And what we really want people to know, that we're watching them and that what we want them to do is to follow the law. And I think because of the changes, a lot of uh, things that have been going on in Alabama, people start feeling like, oh, I just, we don't have to follow the law. We can do whatever we want to. And we know AEA is um, is one of the last organizations standing that would be uh, willing to challenge uh, uh, these special governmental entities when they don't do what they are supposed to do. I uh, 100% agree, uh, and and for like I said before, uh, I for one appreciate what what y'all have done, and, uh, and I think without you, public education in the state of Alabama would be uh, would be even worse shape than it is, and mm-hmm. uh, and I think there would be very little hope for the future without you. So, yep. so again, I we really do appreciate what y'all have done, and and appreciate you coming on. All right, thank you. Yeah, thank I you, appreciate Steph. being yes. on with you. Take All care, right. sir. Bye bye. Oh, it, uh, man, that, you know, they, they get a, uh, a hell of a bad rap, uh, there. And, and most of it is very undeserved. And, you know, I understand that there have been on occasion, some instances where, where bad actors, uh, took advantage of the fact that they were in a union and were, and had union reps to negotiate their exits or, or, or hold up their exits. But, you know, from somebody, I'll tell you this, I had a, um, I had an uncle, uh, or I still have an uncle, uh, but, uh, he was, uh, a teacher in the school system for years and years and years. And, uh, one day, uh, a child accused him of, uh, of abuse, of hitting him. Mm. Mm. Um, you know, and as it turned out, AEA got involved, you know, he was suspended. AEA got involved and turned out that was completely false. Uh, and there was video, you know, and without AEA, I don't know how it would have turned out. It could have ruined his career, uh, you know, and had they not got involved, not got the video, not had, not handled the case. And, uh, you know, and so that on a typical day, I would say that's probably 90% of their cases and 90% of the, of the things that they handle and 90% of the people that they stick up for. The other stuff is exactly what he said, uh, for the most part is, uh, are these cases like the P hit lawsuit that benefit a lot of people. A lot of people are going to be better off. Retirement wise, benefits wise, uh, with, with that work, and so you know, I I think they get a bad rap, and it's always nice to to get them on, get somebody on from there, and talk about the work that they do, so people can kind of have a better understanding of that. Of course, yes. Yeah. Last time I did that, you went know, got canceled. Yeah, got went down in flames. Yeah. I think is so, what you told me, right? Yeah, I think well, I have better people backing me. Yeah, I think so. I think you got a better team around you, and I and I'll tell you, I have a an, an AEA story that's yeah. not. Doesn't I, I never was a teacher 
teacher, uh, but uh, wife number one was a teacher, mm-hmm. and or it still is a teacher. Actually, she teaches outside of the state now. But when we were together years ago, there was an attempt made by a principal mm-hmm. in her first year of teaching in Alabama. There was an attempt made by a principal to fire her. Mm-hmm. And as best we could tell... And I know a lot of people will immediately say, oh, yeah, I know what you're doing, but I'm just telling you like it was. You know, <clears throat> wife number one got her master's degree in one year from one of the Cal State schools. Mm-hmm. Smart, intelligent, good teacher, young, a lot of energy. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Pardon me, but I think, and she thought, Yet the reason this te- this principal wanted her out was because of the color of her skin. Mm-hmm. Not, not, not surprised. And this was, <clears throat> pardon me. This was. I'm drink some water here. This was, um, this was uh, the early uh, '90s in 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 uh, North Alabama. Yeah. And so, um, we were blessed in that. AEA came to her rescue along with a with a um, uh, a black female principal, mm-hmm. and she has gone from that initial attempt to get rid of her. <coughs> pardon me, to now being a teacher for for close to well, for really I guess about thirty years, yeah. which tells me. Which really is verification for me, and not just in North Alabama, but outside of North Alabama and even at the community college level, Mm -hmm. which tells me that that initial attempt by that principal probably was exactly what we thought it was, which was bogus and based on bigotry. So props to AEA. Yeah. And they, they've done they've done a lot of work like that and protected a lot of people. And, and so, I, you know, I, I just I appreciate him coming on and, and, and getting him in here. Always good to do that. And, and hopefully we'll get him back on some more to talk about some other things because I know sure. there's some, some big cases coming up as well. So, all right, we'll slide out of here. We'll be back in a moment. Welcome back in here. That is uh, the <laughs> BBS band. That's uh, we played some stuff from them before. It's uh, Jeff Bone, Jeff Simpson, Owen Brown, a uh, little small time band in North Alabama, uh, and that is Disregard for Time. Uh, they, they, you know, they record all of their stuff at a little studio in Town Creek, and hmm. uh, they just do it for fun. Uh, just for fun. Yeah, just for fun. Those guys are good, though. Yeah. They're very good. That's what I thought, too, man. Yeah, I like that. That tune has kind of got this, uh, I call it bluesy, funky, honky-tonk kind of quality to yeah. it. I like it. Yeah, I, I like the I liked all the stuff that they've yeah. sent. Man, we've got listen, we've got a lot of great music from people, and, mm-hmm. and we, we still appreciate that. And they still send it to us every week. And um, and I, you know, I put the call out and you know and uh, for that, and, and people really responded. And I hope I hope that we've been able to help uh, you know some some folks around. And yeah, if you'd man. like to send it, uh, you know, send it send it on to us, and uh, we will we'll play it and we'll promote it and we'll get it out there for you. But. All right, I think uh, it is now time uh, for our uh, right wing nut of the week as we wrap this thing up. And uh, I, I don't know 
if we there's no way we could have chosen anyone other than uh, th- this individual uh, and uh, just just simply for his press conference that he held last last weekend uh, at the Centers for Disease Control in Atlanta. Uh, and you know, really, multiple press conferences since, but the one last weekend was really uh, that was a jewel. Uh, yeah, I mean, the, uh, it included these clips here. We're, we're going to play a couple, uh, and I, I just, I, it's, it's, I can't. I mean, just listen. And I like this stuff. You know, my uncle is a great person. He was at MIT. He taught at MIT for I think like a record number of years. He's a great super genius, Dr. John Trump. I like this stuff. I really get it. People are surprised that I understand it. Every one of these doctors said, how do you know so much about this? Maybe I have a natural ability. Maybe I should have done that instead of running for president. But you know what? Uh, what they've done is very incredible. I understand that whole world. I love that world. I really do. I love that world. And they should be given tremendous credit. And the whole It's a very good question. From my yes, from my standpoint, uh, I want to rely on people. I have great experts, including our vice president, who's working 24 hours a day on this stuff. Um, they would like to have the people come off. I'd rather have the people stay, but I'd go with them. I told them to make the final decision. I would rather because I like the numbers being where they are. I don't need to have the numbers double because of one ship. That wasn't our fault. And it wasn't the fault of the people on the ship either. Okay? It wasn't their fault either. And they're mostly Americans. So I can live either way with it. I'd rather have them stay on, personally. But I fully understand if they want to take them off. I gave them the authority to make the decision. And, and you know, what? <laughs> Super genius. Uh, it's a super genius. The super genius, David. <laughs> from yeah. a lot of super the, geniuses. The very stable genius, right? Yeah, the Isn't very it? stable genius is from yeah. a super genius. And, yeah. uh, you know, I, listen, this has been, all, all kidding aside for, for a minute. I mean, he's clearly a nut, but all kidding aside about that. The, the handling of this has been so absurd. And so he has lied repeatedly. He has downplayed this stuff. He has mailed it in. You know, while all this was going on last week, he was golfing for the entire weekend again. Yeah. yeah. Uh, which, I mean, you know, hell, it may be that they, they we're better off with him golfing if he was to stay the hell away from everybody. But <laughs> if he just stay on the course Monday through Friday, yeah, I know. And, and wait, stay there. Uh, stay there. He is. And uh, you know, it, it, you know, then the press conference that he had was that Wednesday night uh, from the from the Oval Office sitting at the desk where you're trying to read the teleprompter poorly. Uh, I, I mean, it's just been a mess, man. I really can't stomach it. I'm just going to be honest with you. I don't I, – I, I wait. I wait and I, I get recaps because I just – I can't stand sitting there. I just refuse – this is where I am with it. I refuse to get more wound up as give, he goes. Yes. I refuse to give him my time because I know that he lies incessantly. Yeah. And I'm not going to sit there and waste my damn time 
I'm getting, yeah, 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 you know, I'm getting wound up now. now. But sitting there wasting my damn time listening to this liar. I mean, he just lies. Mm -hmm. So, okay. On top of that, he's petulant like a child. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So you got this guy who's supposed to be the nation is in crisis. Uh You know, he's supposed to be giving us guidance, direction, Mm -hmm. comfort, and encouragement. Mm -hmm. And instead, he deviates to say, what about that Fox News? How are the ratings? (laughs) What the f***? Okay. And if that wasn't bad enough... Then he comes back and he makes it. The only thing he could do that was worse, which he did, was to make it about him. How he's this genius of a guy who probably should have gone into genetics or something instead of becoming president. I don't care if you're the biggest Trump supporter in the world, okay? You know good and well that guy doesn't understand this stuff. No, <laughs> he doesn't. No. He has no idea what's going on. But, at the, but Josh, even if he did, this is not about I him. I know it's I know. about the nation. It's and he's not. It, it, it has been. It's been such a clown show. It really has. And and people, oh, you're going to politicize this this horrible thing that's taking place. And you know what? It's, he's it's, doing it. He's politicizing. Well, he his failure to respond, and the government, like it or not, does have an obligation here uh, to respond to what's going on, and they do have a role to play. Yes. And uh, throughout our history, this has been something that has that, that governments have taken on. You know, Obama during the Ebola crisis, you know, which was heavily criticized by Fox News. They, he handled that. I mean, and really, it was no crisis, let's be honest. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, during that whole thing that went on, not, at least not a crisis in this country. Yeah, that's what, well, I knew that's what you meant. Yeah, yeah. I knew that's what but, you meant. But, you know, it's, yeah. you know, there was, I mean, but, you know, the, the way that was overplayed and the fears and, and everything of everybody, and then to hear the same people downplay this and to give that guy a pass on what he's doing over here, you can tell you, not giving him a pass. The the market, the people who invest in the market. There you go. They're speaking loud on. and clear. Yeah, that's right. They're, they're voting with their money, mm-hmm. and you know what? When that speech ended, it, it dipped a thousand points in after hours. Uh, you know, and so uh, that uh, it's just been a mess. And this is what happens when you elect somebody who's not qualified. Uh, you know, when you are led around. Uh, really, her emails. You know, well, let's go back to the yeah. email situation. Yeah. And really, that's the difference at this point between a competent leader and what we have, which, which is they still anything but. And they still want to pursue that. They're yeah. still trying to find ways to pursue that. Yeah, still, that's all you got, man. You got one drum, bang it. You know. Yeah, well, yeah. I guess. I guess that's what you do. I guess that's what you do. But you know, I think. I think really and truly. You know, and I've said this before, I'll say it again. You know, as, you know, ideologically speaking, we'd be worse if Pence were in the Oval Office. But doggone it, I got to say, I think as a country, at least some aspect of the leadership prospect would be better Mm -hmm. because. Prince uh, Pence, rather. Prince? I wish it. I wish it was Prince. Yeah. That would that'd, that'd be a heck of a White yeah, House. There you go. <laughs> Purple rain. Right. But no, Pence. He is. Uh, he's. He acts like a grown up. 
he comports himself like a grown-up. I don't like his ideology. I don't like his worldview. I think he's dangerous on uh, probably far worse, da- far more dangerous than Trump, really and truly, because he's this you know right-wing religious zealot. But but at the very least, he acts like a grown-up, and there would be a level of leadership. I mean, even as I've been watching how he's been fronting this whole coronavirus thing, you know, I don't agree with his politics or his worldview. But I have confidence that he's actually taking this thing seriously and trying to do the best he can for the country at this given moment. Not his boss, sure. but him. I, I have, to me, it's, uh, you know, damn if you do, damn if you don't. Because I understand what you're saying in Greece about Trump. But um, on the other hand, you have Pence here who is clearly insane. Uh, in his worldviews and everything else. Well, and, and I don't disagree. But yeah, in addition to I agree that, with that, he's also so weak that he has allowed himself to be compromised by this moron that he is serving as vice president for. And I, the weakness of Pence is almost, almost to me, as bad as the incompetency of Trump. Well, you, you're calling it weakness. I don't think it's weakness. I think it's actually something far worse. I think it's a compromise. Oh, I, don't, I, I, I think I don't think he's I don't think he's doing what he's doing out of weakness. I think he's doing it because he's trying to position himself for power. Granted, don't misunderstand me. I think he's more dangerous than Trump. That's why I always preface anything I'm about to say about Pence with that. Yeah. I'm just saying though that in a time of crisis like this, it gives me some sense of. Uh, comfort may be too strong a, a word, but it gives me a sense of at least a modicum of peace to see him there at the front saying what he's saying as opposed to when Trump is up there saying what he's saying. And that's what I'm trying to say. Now, the worldview is, yeah. I mean, his worldview, he's, he's, yeah, he's dangerous, man. He's a right-wing religious zealot. He's dangerous. I get all that, and I'm with all that. But I but I think that at at, at, at a certain point, you know, our nation would actually be better off, at least for the moment, because we can fight the policy. Mm-hmm. We can we can we can stand up and, and call out the ideology that's way off to the right and that's crazy, mm-hmm. right? But what you can't do, what's more difficult, is this cult of personality around Trump. Mm-hmm. That's a lot more difficult to fight. I don't think I don't I don't I just don't know that we I don't know that. Well, I think the past few years have shown. We haven't been able to make the traction that we needed to on that. That was all very, very well said and, and a fine point. And, uh, and, and you scored many fine points there. I disagree <laughs> completely. <laughs> so, I, 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 I think he's insane. I think, the, I think he's a coward. I think that he is a, uh, he's a small person. Uh, and I, I don't – I have – whenever he comes to the microphone, I have no more uh, – no more comfort or no more uh, respect for him than I do for Donald Trump, and okay. uh, and I okay. mean, and and the two of them cannot get the hell out of there fast enough. Well, now, uh, now don't get me wrong, oh, I, I, I agree with that. Yeah, I, <laughs> I'd like I, to see them both gone. Yeah, I, it's, yeah. I can't. The, it, but if we had won, if we had won in removing Trump after impeaching him, mm. we'd have had Pence, and I'd at least thought, okay. 
we at least we got a grown up in there that I can disagree with. Don't, the only comfort I had with Pence being in there after Trump was the fact mm-hmm. that he would have been so marginalized that he would have not been able to do anything, and his mm-hmm. ultimate defeat would 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 have been unquestioned, and there would have been nothing that anybody would have respected and been uh, been willing to vote for him uh, over. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that is the only reason why I felt more comfortable with Pence in there. Otherwise. I think he is a dude straight up out of the Handmaid's Tale who is uh, as evil yeah, as they yeah, come yeah. and would have destroyed anything he touched. Well, I, I you know, uh, I'm not going to, you know, uh, well, let me just quote you. I think you make very fine points there. <laughs> I think you scored a lot of points there. And I actually don't disagree with what you're saying. I just think, I just think that ultimately... Uh, so you're saying we're, I we're, won? That's what you're saying? I won? Well, I don't know if I'd go that far. My, <laughs> my competitive spirit won't let me say that. But I think where we diverge uh-huh. is on the uh, is on this question of are we better off with an evil right wing genius in the white in the white well not genius but an evil right wing person in the White House who is a grown up or one who's not and who acts like a petulant child. And that's where we diverge because I think I think for the nation's sake mm-hmm. we're better off with a grown up, even if he's a grown up that I disagree with completely and will fight tooth and nail. I don't know. <laughs> maybe maybe it's a damned if you do, damned yeah, if you don't probably, situation. Probably, probably we we're better off with Joe Biden. Yeah, but, hey, we, we can agree on that. We, we can agree on All that. All right, and with that, we're we're gonna we're gonna call it a a week here. Uh, listen. Follow follow the protocols. Practice some social distancing. Um, uh, get, don't shake hands. Don't cough on anybody. Uh, <coughs> I'm sorry. What was that? <sighs> All right. Well, now I got to go lost. <laughs> Be back next week. You guys have fun. Take care. Hello, everyone. Uh, if you wouldn't mind, need a quick favor again, uh, go to the podcast page uh, or whatever app you use uh, to download our fine podcast and leave us a rating and, and a quick review, uh, particularly if you're using iTunes. Uh, just click the, the five stars or you know four stars or three stars or however many stars you feel like this thing is worth. Uh, uh, keep in mind, it's free. Uh, give us a quick review. Uh, type a few words out. Be funny. Uh, be hysterical, um, you know, or just be bland. I, I doesn't really matter. Just leave us, let us know how you feel about it and uh, give us a nice review there and, and it would really help us out a whole lot.